Welcome to Confessions from a Dental Lab. This show is all about bringing you into the lab, beneath the surface, so you can see things, hear things, and understand things right from the source. Learn from longtime ceramists, dentists, and lab techs, both young and old. Without further ado, let's begin. Welcome back to Confessions from a Dental Lab. My name is KJ Eichstead. I'm the brand manager here at Newart Dental, and today I'm joined by Dr. Thomas Velker. He's been a longtime dentist in the Waukesha, Wisconsin area, and he now still is involved with the dental lab quite often. Dr. Velker, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. So I think it's very important for uh, you know listeners to understand that the quality control process is a big part of any successful dental lab, and oftentimes it's just lab techs doing that process, but where you know things might get tricky sometimes is if a dentist has a different perspective and they have different things they they want to look for and, and so, stuff like that so so dr velker you know comes in and he actually gives us that dentist perspective in the lab to really eliminate as many pain points as possible and, and produce the best work possible so we're really excited to talk to him and i think the the best way to start is dr velker would you mind just sharing a little bit about your background like like, you know, when you went way back in the day when you went to dental school and then a little bit about your, sure, your professional sure. career and then kind of what you're up to these days. Okay, back uh, before I went to dental school, I was in the United States Army. And uh, it, it actually, when I was overseas, I ran into some dentists that were practicing overseas and talked to them. And they kind of piqued my interest in, in dentistry. So when I got out of the service, I had a little bit of schooling to finish undergrad. And... Um, before I, I got into dental school early just by getting my uh, requirements done. And then I applied to Marquette and got accepted to Marquette Dental School. And I, I graduated from there in 1977. Okay. So 1977, quite a long time ago. Um, you know, like, what did you do upon graduating? Did you work for a different practice for a while, save up some money, and then go into your oh, own it, thing? Or? It was kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, I wanted to start my own practice. Um, I didn't have any any monetary resources. I had a lot of debt from school, mm-hmm. um, so that was kind of a challenge. I worked in a uh, Title 19 clinic, um, which taught me what I didn't want to do for the rest of my career. Okay. Um, it was a kind of a Title 19 mill is what it was. And, uh, but that afforded, at least I made some money so I could be looking for places to set up a practice. Um, a, a classmate of mine who was setting up a practice um, and I went down to an old, old dental practice on 19th and Mitchell in Milwaukee, which is now a very tough neighborhood, it was then. And we went there to buy used equipment and the uh, wife of the dentist who had had a stroke and died said, well, for the price of the equipment, she said, you can have the whole practice. Okay. So the two of us bought a, uh, a practice on 19th and Mitchell, second floor walk-up above a George Webbs, and he worked there two days a week, and I worked there two, two days a week, and it kind of supplemented our income while we set up our own practices. Um, I, would, I then found a spot out in Waukesha in a new development, and I was the first tenant out there at uh, Fox Run, and um, set up my first 1,200 square foot uh, dental office with zero patients. It was kind of scary. Mm-hmm. And um, also I had to borrow money from what a, some fairly rough people down in Chicago because nobody would um, 
touch me around here because they called it blue sky. I didn't have any any co-signers or anything. Yeah. So I was kind of under the gun for quite a while, but it, it all worked out and that practice took off and got to the point where I could work there just uh, by my, you know, four days a week there, four and a half days a week. And uh, then we dissolved the other practice that we were sharing. So Dr. Volker, how long did you, like, were you an operating dentist for? A little over 40 years. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then like, you know, maybe not taking too much time with this but like how have you seen it evolve from like you know the 70s to just like 2010s 2020s and well you know everything was pretty traditional like in the in in the restorative end of things and uh until then resin dentistry bonded dentistry came out and that that kind of made a made a, a difference in that we could use white fillings um there's a lot of controversy at first as to how durable the resin fillings were going to be um, then, then near the end of my career, we came into the digital scanning yeah. and the uh, zirconium uh, type of restorations, which have proved to be fantastic. And uh, that's largely what I check here when I'm doing quality control at uh, at Newark Dental. So, kind of putting yourself back in your dentist shoes, what like you know when you're starting off, you're kind of explaining how you really put a lot of risk or took on a lot of risk in getting your practice off the ground. Like you didn't have any patients at first, um, you know, you, you were buying used equipment and it wasn't the best area. Could you describe like what your perception of a dental lab was in those early days and then kind of how it may have changed in like maybe the midpoint of your career and, and what you came to appreciate in, like the later stage of your career in terms of just like, you know, early dentists in the field maybe more like maturing established dentists than maybe dentists close to retirement, just like your perception of labs throughout that, those right. phases. Well, I guess it was a process of trial and error. Um, when I first started working, I was working in that, that Title 19 practice. Um, I hadn't had a lot of experience with dental labs and I was kind of forced into using the dental lab that they that they used. And um, okay. um, you had very um, inconsistent results and um, it was somewhat frustrating sometimes. And, you know, over the process of working there and then going out on, on my own, with, through trial and error, you try different labs, and some labs are more expensive than other labs, and um, you, you kind of evolve with it because you don't really know until you use the lab um, what type of quality uh, you're going to get and what type of quality you can expect. Yeah. And I know, um, you know, over time you've mentioned that oftentimes when people will send to a new lab, it's the work will start off at a high level, but then it slowly kind of whittles down and, and you're not receiving the same quality you did in the beginning when they may feel like they have you on the hook as a customer. Um, I guess, like, can you just talk about the importance of a lab maintaining that consistency, whether it's month one of working with a, a new dentist or, or like month, you know, 100? Well, that's a very good point because I, over the years I had occasion to use numerous dental labs and it, it always seemed to me that they'd say anything to get your business to begin with. And at first everything was meticulously done. And then it almost seemed like they'd push you a little bit to see, okay, what will this guy accept and what won't he accept? And um, it became very frustrating. 
and or they had a turnover in personnel and, and the person that was maybe doing your work at the time um, was now gone and you were getting a whole different uh, result Yeah, and uh, it became very frustrating. Um, so through trial and error, um, I ended up finding the Newark Dental Lab and um, I had heard about them because they had a great reputation. Um, they might have been a few dollars more than another lab, but a long time ago I learned that the extra few dollars and you get top quality results with very few remakes was more than worth it because having to redo dentistry when you're, or having to reject dentistry when you're trying it in the mouth um, is a money losing proposition. It's a patient losing proposition because patients don't want to come back to have something done because it didn't fit or wasn't right. And so it was a real learning experience. Yeah, it seems like uh, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but oftentimes if a lab is less expensive than another lab, it's primarily because they're outsourcing, correct? Well, I don't know. I, I, as of maybe, you know, in the last decade, you know, there was a lot to be, a lot was said that some labs were using offshore. Yeah. Then, you know, then uh, lab technicians like in China or Taiwan or, or uh, different, different places, and uh, they got a real bad reputation, especially for a while when there was some concern about the, uh, uh, the heavy metals that were being used in these, these labs or the, the cadmium and stuff used in the, uh, in the staining. And so it was, um, it was something you just wanted to make sure that you weren't having your, your work shipped overseas to be done. Because it's not even always like, oftentimes they won't always be upfront about it. It's uh you know, it's not like that's a good advertising proposition for a dental lab, right? right. Like, yeah, hey, well, we're going to well, take your order and ship it overseas. That's not really what a dentist wants to hear. Right. Well, I guess sometimes you'd find out later that they were doing it, but they certainly weren't upfront about telling you that they were doing it. And that's not really, like, the best way to operate from a business relationship. Well, I, I don't, you know, the, the bottom line is, like, I'm getting restorations back that look the way you want, fit the way you want. Um, now, one reason that I think that I had um, a fair amount of success is that I had a background doing dental lab work when I was in dental school. Mm. I, I did lab work at night to help put myself through at a, at a very high quality Crown and Bridge dentist in Wauwatosa. And um, having had, had that experience um, helped, uh, helped quite a bit. And then also when I set up my, my practices, I had a lab, an in-house area that was a small lab, and I had learned a long time ago to um, trim my own dyes, take take control of my case before the lab work was done. And um, so I, I virtually trimmed every dye that I ever cut, or, you know, or prepared in the mouth, and I trimmed the dye. I could check my articulation, I could check my clearance, and I had a very, very low remake rate because I think I controlled all those aspects. Um, I don't see a lot of dentists doing that anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, can you talk about a little bit, maybe like what a dentist could benefit from in terms of like going to a full service lab versus maybe like a smaller lab? I know there's pros and cons to each, but uh, you know, I feel like when customers or people may shop in like an Amazon or Walmart, one of the things they like about it is all the 
you know, they, they can get pretty much anything mm-hmm. there, or like a big grocery store, maybe as compared to like a small convenience store. Like you can certainly do both, but uh, what are the, could you talk, just talk about like from your perspective, just what, what uh, the benefits are of going to a full service lab? Well, the real benefit of going to a lab like Newark has a removable department, an implant department, and a uh, crown and bridge restorative department is that they all work together. And, and I did a fair amount of big cases, which I guess we call hybrid cases, that involved different, you know, involved removable and fixed, and maybe nowadays with an implant. And it's really nice having to have that all under one house and, you know, one set of people that you have to deal with. And I think there's, a, and also a lab of that size can afford to buy the new technology yeah. to do these cases. And the new technology is expensive. That's a great point uh, for those listeners. You know, Dr. Velker, he was kind of telling us in the beginning about how when he was a dentist in the beginning, he had to afford technology and, and dental labs are the same way. If you don't have like a, a decent sized shop, it's hard to keep up with the latest advancements and, and that might play into the quality and, and we're very proud to have all the latest technology here but also the experience of people like you know frank who's been doing this for over 20 years dan who's been doing this for a long time and, and people like you dr velker who have been in the you know dentist perspective for over 40 years right, right. um i guess like what if you're if you're a if you're a dentist what do you look for if you're looking for a good dental lab, in your own words? I guess the, the main thing is consistent quality. Virtually any lab can give you one or two examples of their work that look great, and then you don't see that on a consistent basis. And over the years, I found with Newart that there was very, very consistent quality. Certainly, there were some things that, that when I'd get it, I had to have it changed, and they never, they never even hesitated to say send it back and we'll change it and and in some cases maybe my directions to the lab weren't clear that's a thing yeah and and i virtually always wrote on my prescriptions my lab prescriptions to please call before proceeding if there's any any questions or or problems because that saved me the headache it saved the lab the headache and you had to keep the communication open now one thing that new art does and it really impresses me. They have a, 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 a number of people they call smile designers, which are assigned to specific dentists. And so you have always have the same go-to person that's looking after your cases. And these the two of them are, are ladies that I work with. I can't not believe how much they care about each dentist in each case. And um, I don't know if I've ever seen that in many other labs. That's super great to hear. Um, I know like each patient is different, so each case really does deserve a unique set of care for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dr. Velker, any any final thoughts, I guess, like, so, so could you actually talk about, you know, a little more detail about like what kind of stuff you do in the lab now? So basically what happened is you were, you had a successful dental practice, you were helping you know, teach dentists at Marquette School of Dentistry, right. if I remember correctly. And uh, then you retired and you had, you know, you like golf and stuff like that. You, you had a little time on your hands, so you decided to come back and put right. in some work. Well, in the lab. I, I found retirement isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And I, I, needed, I needed a little something more. And 
And Dave, the previous owner of the lab that I worked with for probably 25 to 30 years, um, he, he said to me, do you want to come back a couple hours a day and help us with quality control and give us a different perspective on things in the lab? And, and I jumped at the opportunity. And um, so I, I think that, that I do bring a, a different perspective, having seen both ends of the, of the spectrum. And, and I can give some insight as to why things are being done a certain way, because this is why the dentist needs it done that way. And um, also I can determine, you know, when there's a problem, kind of like where did the problem come from? Did, yeah. Is it, did the problem come from our lab? Did the problem come from the dentist? Um, so I can, I can pretty well ferret that out and, and, and talk to the uh, smile design people about, well, I think that this was, you know, caused by such and such. And yeah, I mean, like, just, it's so valuable, no matter what the business is, to have someone who, who is, like, amongst the people you're, you're working with, such as, a, a you know, dentistry in this case, from a dental lab perspective, really, like, inside the operation and, and kind of just identifying those pain points, like how to avoid those pain points, how to avoid problems before they arise. It's really invaluable, and, and we're really thankful to have that uh, at New Art Dental Lab with Dr. Velker. And we'd encourage all dentists, you know, if you're looking for a lab, whether you're a new dentist or, a, you know, a dentist who's been in it for a while or even a dentist nearing retirement, and you just want to avoid as many problems as you can, you want quality work, consistent, uh, definitely give New Art a try. You know, send us a message, reach out. We'll be happy to send you some information. And uh, yeah, any final thoughts, Dr. Velker? No, I would, I would encourage people to try New Art Dental Lab because over the years I've tried many labs and I settled on New Art and uh, never looked back. Uh, I did lots of crown and bridge. I was doing four and 500 units a year and I'd only have one or two remakes a year. And a lot of times it was my own fault because I trimmed the dye wrong. Yeah. And um, not to say that Newark was perfect, but their their failure rate was really, really low. Yeah, that, we're, that's amazing to hear. Well, Dr. Velker, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been another great episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab, and we'll talk to you all very soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab. If you'd like to contact the show, simply send us an email at dentallabpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us at Life at New Art Dental on Instagram. Thank you for listening once again. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe and tell a friend. And until next time, we're out.